Hi everyone, it's Bill Black, the Exit Coach from the Exit Coach Radio Show. You know, one of the biggest questions I get on the show is what exactly goes into a business exit plan and when should I start creating mine? Well, I always tell people that the best time to start was five years ago, but the next best time is now because you never know when you might need it. So we put together a free report that describes what an exit plan is and what you should know. You can get it free by texting exit plan with no spaces to 44222. That's exit plan to 44222. Again, text exit plan to 44222. Welcome to the Exit Coach Radio Show, the show for baby boomer business owners who are looking for cutting-edge information as they plan their 3- to 10-year business succession and exit. Every week, we interview top professional advisors for their best tips, strategies, and precautions so you can be well-planned. And now, here's your host, the Exit Coach, Bill Black. And thanks to you for listening. Really appreciate you hanging in there with us and it's been a, a great show so far today and we're not done yet so uh, let me uh, tee up our our next guest and uh, he is James Bean of SVN Rich Investment Real Estate Partners it's a seasoned commercial real estate investment broker who specializes in wealth preservation and wealth transfer through the advantages of tax deferred 31 exchanges now a lot of you business owners out there, you own your buildings and you're, you're wondering, well, what happens if I sell my business? Do I keep my building? Do I sell it? What about the taxes? Well, that's what we're going to find out about uh, with James. James, thanks so much for joining me today and welcome. Yes. Thank you, Bill, for having me. My pleasure. My pleasure. It's an interesting topic. Uh, we talk about it every once in a while, um, but uh, people's, uh, a lot of people I find after years and years of being in business, and owning their building, they they get to a, a certain day in their life, and they they say, "I I wonder what's worth more, and it's the building." <laughs> True. Uh, and the building, you know, could be a, a continued source of income for them uh, if their business remains there, or another tenant moves in, or it could be a great opportunity to uh, to cash in on that building and transfer it the the uh, gains on that. Tax, ta- on a tax-deferred basis to another property. So let's talk about that. But first, tell us a little bit about you and your background and what you do um, uh, with your, with, at your company to help folks. Okay. Uh, so I've been involved with commercial real estate for nearly 25 years. Um, Southern California native, but moved to Arizona after I got out of the service and ended up living in Phoenix for 30 years that's actually where I started my commercial real estate career uh, back in 2000 is when I got licensed. Prior to that, I was a site acquisition specialist for the, the third largest dry cleaning firm in Arizona and opened up um, dry cleaning plants that we ran and operated. Uh, did that for about five or six years before I got licensed. And then after getting licensed, I was a primarily an industrial broker. The firm I worked for was mostly industrial brokerage. We were owners and uh, also had investors that we represented and did our own property management. The team I was on, we grew that portfolio from about a million and a half square feet to more than 6 million square feet and just did a lot of transactions while I was there. And then in 2010, I started focusing more on investment real estate um, 
I was fortunate that brokerage I was with, they really encouraged ownership. So I was able to get uh, a piece of deals, bring deals to the uh, principals and get involved with those deals. You have, from an agent standpoint or a broker standpoint, you have a completely different vision when you have skin in the game. Um, and ended up moving back to California in 2015 is now where I'm purely focused on investment real estate, both from a uh, people who buy real estate as an investor, or like you said, people that are business owners that own their own real estate and really using the power of the 1031 tax deferred exchange to uh, further and build that wealth or uh, the other great alternative for people who own their business who have no interest in maybe selling their business necessarily, uh, you know, use the power of a sale leaseback. So if they, depending on the strength of their building and how much their equity, or excuse me, the strength of their business and how much equity they have in their building, if they're willing to commit to the building, it's a great way for them to get the best of both worlds. They can take the equity and the cash and still maintain use of the facility that they're in. Yeah, so it, it might take some of the pressure, like you said, off of them having to sell their business. Let's talk. Let's talk about that. I'm familiar with the term, but maybe our listeners uh, could use a refresher on that term. What is a sale leaseback? Well, there's a lot of different examples, but to, for the simplest point is uh, you have your business, you're in your building, you own your building, you've been paying on that mortgage for 10, 15, 20 years. Now you've got some significant equity in your property, but you have no, you're just looking for ways to grow capital. Well, you could go to the bank and you could, you know, take out a loan, which is, you know, that's going to have significant impact on your balance sheet where you could, you know, doing it this way, it turns taking a liability and converting it into an operating lease, which is also an off, an off balance sheet transaction. So if you say you've got a million and a half, $2 million in equity in your property, you sell your property and then, the buyer of your property becomes your landlord and you sign a, whether it's a 10 or a 15 year or even a 20 year lease. Um, I will note that the longer the term that you're able to sign makes it much easier to sell. And it also makes a significant impact on the value of your property because now your property is really being sold more on the lease and the income from the lease more than the property itself. So, you know, it's a great way, again, to you get out from underneath your mortgage liability. Now you have that cash and you're operating on a lease versus owning your property. Obviously, it doesn't, may not work for everybody, but for those businesses that have been around a long time, good credit, uh, good sales, and just need that influx of capital, it's a great opportunity, a great vehicle to use that for that. It's very important to know about. I know I had a client that uh, wanted to uh, sell his business to someone else, and they the the purchasing company didn't want to enter into a long term lease um, with the building that my client owned. And uh, he said, "Well, that's that's really going to hurt my sale price because I really wanted to sell that building." 
So we ended up find, finding somebody else uh, to buy the building uh, and had entered into a long-term lease with this company, and it made a huge difference in the sale uh, price of that building. So what you're saying makes a lot of sense to me. Uh, there's there's a lot of benefits to that. Um, what are what are some of the biggest benefits of that sale leaseback? Uh, well, it can provide, it, it, you know, it can provide additional tax deductions. Um, it enables the company to expand its business now that it has that inflow of cash. Definitely can help improve their overall balance sheet. Uh, limits their volatility, their volatility of risks of owning the asset. Um, you know, those are probably the low-hanging fruit. <laughs> there, that's a lot. There's a, there's a lot of benefits there. And uh, again, sometimes, sometimes for a business owner, <clears throat> the sale of the business, uh, or excuse me, of the building, can take the pressure off of having to sell the business. Um, so it, it can can be a tremendous option. Can a business owner who owns their real estate use a, a tax-deferred 1031 exchange to relocate and expand or maybe to right-size their footprint? Absolutely. Yes, they can. Um, they Basically, the same way that any investor would use that vehicle, that tax code vehicle, is uh, whatever the – when they go to sell that property um, and they, again, aren't business notwithstanding, they're purely looking to say, Hey, you know what? We've outgrown this property. We need to expand or maybe even open a second location. That's a little tougher because uh, there has to be a property has to be relinquished in order to exercise the 1031. So let's say you're in 25,000 feet growth has been great. And we really need to double the size of our footprint. So, you sell the property and you use the 1031 exchange to uh, take the proceeds from that and leverage those proceeds into that larger location. Let's uh, let's talk about the other way because a lot of businesses, of course, with COVID are finding that maybe they don't need as much space as they thought they needed as employees might work more remotely. Um, can they, there are some limitations on, on, um, that you have to, well, you can tell me, but the, the, the size of the transactions kind of have to max, uh, match up in some way, shape, or form for a 1031 exchange, right? That's correct. So if they have debt on the property, they have to replace that debt. And the good news about what you're saying, so basically to make it more clear for the listeners, if they're in, say, 25,000 feet, but now they say, you know what, we're downsized, we only need 10,000 feet. Well, that is possible to do um, because what you do is you basically go buy a much nicer building, <laughs> you know. So you can there's if you could be in a twenty five thousand square foot building that's uh, three four million dollar building. Well, that means you're probably going to have to spend close to that same price depending on your debt situation, et cetera. Um, but you could go buy a really nice 10,000-square-foot office building that's a $5 million building. Maybe it's in a better okay. part of town, better location, upgrade sure, the property. Sure. Makes sense. Let's, let's uh, use a couple round numbers. So let's say they've got a million-dollar value building, but they've got $500,000 of debt on the building now. So 
uh, and they want a 1031 exchange that, and they've, of course they've got 500,000 of equity in that transaction. So what what's their limitation as far as the replacement property? Um, does the property, you say you have to replace the half a million of debt in this case, right? Right. It, they have to replace the debt and equity. So it's back of the napkin mathematics is debt plus equity. So the the one thing okay. we're not taking into consideration is what they paid for the building. So if they paid for the building, they paid, you know, bought it for a million. Now it's worth 2 million, but they still have, you know, they've gained that, um, they, they may have $500,000 in debt. They've paid their mortgage down or depending on how much cash they put down when they bought it. Um, but chances are they would have to basically, you know, if they're selling it for 2 million, uh, the easy eye test is that you're probably going to have to spend right around that same price that you paid for it. There's other moving parts in there, but that keeps it pretty simple. Right. Yeah, that does make it simple for people to understand, I think. And, you know, this is a, a situation a lot of times is people say, well, you know, I'm selling my business and the, the buyer's not going to need this location at all because they're going to roll everything, all their, all of our administrative people up into their headquarters and they're going to replace other positions. So I want to sell my building and maybe uh, change it into another investment property, let's say apartment buildings. Uh, what are the limitations as far as uh, from uh, investment property to investment type property? That's a great question, Bill. So they can, as long as it's income generating, they can pretty much exchange into whatever they want. So if in the scenario that you just outlined if they own their property and they want to use the equity to not pay the capital gains exchange into something absolutely they could buy an apartment complex they could exchange into a single tenant net lease property or multi-tenant property uh, i happen to be a fan of the single tenant net lease properties which are very similar they're usually a sale lease back scenario but uh, many times your uh, quick service restaurants with your drive-throughs. Um, there's also urgent care is a big one. Uh, automotive use, uh, banks, uh, some of the daycare. There's many different uses that they can get into where it's it's a single tenant, but the lease form is what's mm-hmm. key because a lot of people say, well, you know what, I really don't want to have to take on the liability or manage. Well, there mm-hmm. these lease forms are on what's called a absolute net lease where the tenant is 100% responsible for the property, the real estate, the operating expenses, everything. We we literally call that income mailbox money. Uh, I like that term. I think uh, a lot of people are looking for that. <laughs> the, mm-hmm. the, the easy walk to the mailbox, and there's your check. Um, now, um, what's the first step? What should, what should uh, listeners be thinking about or looking for before they call someone like you to make sure that they're a viable candidate for the discussion, whether it's sale, lease back or 1031 exchange. Wow. Another great question. You know, actually it's probably, I would suggest that they actually reach out and call somebody like myself first and have a conversation with them because we could probably cut to a chase to find out exactly you know, what are the best options available to them based on what their 
long-term goals are. Um, but, you know, from the starting gate, they probably want to know what kind of equity they have in their property. Uh, you know, I've run across when businesses do sell, like the point you made, typically if the buyer of the business is going to keep the property, it's probably a manufacturing plant. You know, there's, they're, they're in the manufacturing business, and so it's already set up. It's already well-oiled machine. There's no reason for them to vacate the property, and so the property purchase of the business. Unfortunately, there's ways to get more value out of the building than that sometimes. Again, a lot of moving parts in that as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it really comes down to equity. Where are you going to keep your business, or is the if you're going to sell your business, what happens to the property if they're not going to, if the buyer of the business is going to stay there for a while, then they're going to vacate. Now what do you do? Well, some people say, you know what, I'd keep it, and I know it's a very leasable building. I'll just go find another tenant. You have that option, um, or they just don't want to be in that management situation, so they'll they can consider a 1031 exchange as well. I think that's a good idea. So, you know, a, a conversation, maybe maybe write down uh, what your financial picture is with regards to the building, and then what your potential goals and outlook are for either staying in the business or divesting. And then again, what do you want your life to look like on the other side of this? Do you want mailbox money, or do you want to manage an apartment building? It's up. It's up to you. I'll tell you one good place to go, and that is the the website which is uh, svn-best1031online.com, which I'm looking at right now. So that's svn-best1031online.com. It really starts right out out of the gate with navigating your options for a successful 1031 deferred exchange. So the first thing you probably want to know is what the rules of the road are uh, what is a 1031 exchange? It's very clear right on the first page, uh, and a lot of great information and uh, discussions about that. And so that's that would be the first place I would imagine our listeners want to start, wouldn't you say, James? Absolutely. Now, um, if uh, if someone um, wants to talk about this, and one of the things that they probably want to know about is. I've heard there's a timeline uh, for when, you know, if I sell my building for 1031 exchange, um, I need to find that replacement property within a certain period of time. What's that timeline run? Well, the the, the timeline starts from the as soon as the day of close. So the day after okay. close is day one, close of escrow. And so the first 45 days is the what they call the identification period. And that's where you have to there. And there's, if you go to the site, it explains it, but there's different ways you can identify property and how you, there's three different identification rules. We don't have time to go into those, but you have 45 days to get that identification period out of the way. And then ultimately from the day of close, you have 180 days to close on that property uh, on the replacement property. Now, what I tell the people that, reach out to me to talk about their options. I always say, look, let's, if you know for a fact that you want to uh, perform a 1031 exchange, we want to sit down and plan out that roadmap before we even put your property on the market to sell. Cause what I find in, you know, more than 60% of exchanges fail and this is why. And it, 
big surprise even to you, Bill, is people don't plan it first. You have to plan out that roadmap first because there's some a few landmines and minefields you have to navigate once that process starts. Because you may find a great replacement property, but if we can't get it under contract, then we need to be looking at multiple properties at the same time. That's just one example. Um, so it's all about putting that plan, plan out the roadmap first, then put your property on the market. Let's sell your property. We've got plenty of time to execute on the exchange. Great tips, great ideas. I really appreciate you coming on and sharing the topic. And don't miss uh, on the website. Now, is it true? Can they just go uh, straight to best1031online.com? Yes. Does that also get them yeah, home? Both okay. Domains work. So, okay, very good. And uh, don't miss uh, on the blog portion the top five most common myths of a 1031 exchange. I think you'll want to read that first, listeners, just to know that maybe things that you've heard uh, may or may not be true. Um, my guest has been James Bean. Uh, James, I really appreciate you coming on and, and helping our listeners understand more about this topic, and I encourage them to give you a call so that they can get clear on it and get their futures in order. James, thanks so much. I appreciate it very much. Also, too, to the listeners, uh, anybody that calls me, mentions that they heard me on Exit Coach Radio, I will give them a complimentary broker opinion of value on their current property. Thank you for listening to Exit Coach Radio. 